Welcome back to the Shema Podcast. And joining us for part two of The Devils in the Details with Rabbi Cohen. Welcome to the Shema Podcast, the podcast for the perplexed, where Torah insights intertwined through personal stories, as well as interviews with leading Torah scholars, demonstrate the empowering qualities of Torah and mitzvot. For more great Torah learning through Torch, the Torah Outreach Center of Houston, go to torchweb.org. Now to the show. So we have this evil inclination about us, which is basically really equals, I want this pleasure now. So it's self-gratification. The idea here is to convert it. And we convert it in a way, a really dynamic way, is that we will only ingest this pleasure on a stipulation. On a stipulation that we are going to serve God or do good in the world through this pleasure. That's how we convert it. So you can eat for the sake of eating because you're hungry or it tastes good, or you can eat in order to be strong to worship Hashem. You know, that's why we talked about this morning, Shas Achila Shas Milchoma. The time of eating is the time of war, <laughs> right? Why time of eating, time of war? Because you're the evil inclination within is battling just to be as an animal to eat for the sake of eating. And yet the spirit part, the soul part of us needs to in, exert its influence to say, no, I only want to eat in order to have energy to serve God or do good in the world or fix the world. When we just have that thought in mind, we're converting that will to receive within us that selfish gratification element into we're also giving through the receiving. That's the ultimate dynamic. But it has to receive the pleasure in a right way. It has to be self-earned. It has to be, the vessel has to become a whole vessel. In other words, the vessel comes unrefined. If I would put Kabbalah, all the study of Kabbalah on one foot, it would be moving from an unrefined vessel, us, to becoming a refined vessel. So what does it mean, unrefined vessel? Meaning we have to work on our evil inclination. We have to make sure we are we steer away from negative influences. And we have to know ourselves. Now, the evil inclination comes to us at birth. Because we say uh, evil crouches at the door. That's in Genesis, the verse in Genesis. Lepeta chatas rovates. And therefore, they learn from there that evil comes at birth. When does the good inclination come? I never understood this, so I'm glad you brought up. A girl at age 12 and a boy at age 13, when they become a bar mitzvah. That's where the whole soul root of bar mitzvah is. There's no verse in the Torah, at 13 you should have a bar mitzvah and thou shalt serve herring. All right, there's no rule like that. You don't see it. It's all, in, it's all Kabbalah. There's no mitzvah for a big party with face painting? No, face painting and definitely no pony rides. There's no such verse, okay? So... Yeah, I'm curious. I've always wanted to know this. Why don't, wouldn't it be better to arm someone equally with the Yetzer Tov from the very beginning? Right. So we say that the King Solomon gives the ultimate rule of that. Better a poor wise child than an old foolish king. Again, better a poor wise child than an old foolish king. So here's the setup. The setup is... And I'm not saying this happened, this has existed before the sin. After the sin, we totally are on the losing end of the game. The soul is on the losing end of the game because the body is very loud and it wants chocolate now. It wants pleasures now. 
So, but the dynamic basically is that the evil inclination comes into a person. And I'm not saying that children are evil, God forbid. We're just saying what works in the mind in terms of the perceptions and how the child learns comes at birth, which means basically the evil inclination has 13 or 12 years to set up a program, to set up a kingdom, so to speak, and set up all kinds of paradigms and how you view the world and what your reactions are to this and that and that total setup, total system. And only then, and he's called the old foolish king. He's old because he's been around longer than the evil, than the good urge, the good inclination. He's foolish because fools only want X pleasure now and they will, are not willing to wait till later. He's a king because he's in power. He's been there. He's the only, only guy on the job. And then now at 12 or 13, comes the poor, wise child. He's poor because he doesn't have much to offer. Because really he's saying, well, if you do good now, there'll be rewards later. Ha! That's, you know what, you don't have nothing to offer now? He's wise because now he has, he knows the whole picture. And he's a child because he's new on the scene. So he has to now come on into the kingdom and overthrow the king. What a challenge. Thank God we have the Torah. Because the Torah gives us the directives and the rules, how to navigate the situation, how to know and and do introspection into ourselves, to know ourselves, to figure ourselves out, where are evil inclinations. Some people are very prone to anger. Some people are very prone to depression. Some people are very prone to, uh, they talk too much. (laughs) Wind, too much wind there. And uh, what's the other element? You have earth, wind, fire, water. Some people are very inclined for for pleasures. They're very pleasure-driven. Right. Everybody's got different these different modalities in their system that operates. And some are always, one is always dominant. Right. So you, you got to go ahead and work on it. So everybody has a pecola. We call it a pecola. That's, you know, a pecola is like those little gift baggies that they give to the kids in synagogue. Right. Little treats, bag of treats. God needed for us to be a serious challenge. The challenge has to be serious. So he gave the evil inclination a 12 or 13 year head start until the good urge comes. And now he's got a serious challenge. He's got to overcome all of that. I do recall reading, now it's coming back to me, that one of the other benefits to that is because in those early years growing up, we develop that will to receive because everything's provided for us. You know, we want more ice cream, more cake, whatever our parents were developing it so that when we get older, we can now channel that in the correct Ah, way. Ah, right. Exactly. So we're supposed to be, you know, it's like God has to like coach us almost like a carrot, you know, carrot in the stick kind of thing to take in pleasures, but only for the sake of letting go of those earthly pleasures. But first you have to work on converting them. And then of course, it's really to convert ourselves to be attuned to the spiritual pleasures, which it has to all have to do with God and has to do with being in the like form of God, which is being involved in giving. So we have to convert our ratzon the kabel, la atzmo, our will to receive for itself alone, to being a will to receive on the condition that we're giving through our receiving. Again, that we're receiving on the condition that we're giving through our receiving. I'll explain with a parable. Rich man, he sees this acquaintance that comes into town. He knows this rabbi. He's a very big scholarly gentleman. He sees him. He invites him into his house. And they're sitting and they're chatting about all kinds of unbelievable topics, you know, of the world and Torah and 
great teachings. And, and after a little while, so the host, the rich man, says, let me give you some food. And the rabbi, the scholarly passerby, you know, he says, no, no, no. He's a little embarrassed, doesn't want to just take right now. And then they're continuing talking a little bit more. And then the, the host says, please, I, want, I really want to give you some food. Please. I got, I got people in the kitchen. They'll, they'll cook up something. Leftovers even. I've got leftovers from Shabbos. And the guest says, no, 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 it's okay. And finally, you know, go, the conversation keeps going. And finally, the host is like pleading where he's, the host is in pain that he's not giving him. And finally, when he sees the host is in pain to some degree, then the guest says, okay. And then all of a sudden, the host is just joyous. So jubilant, he goes and gets all of his servants together and whips up some, a great meal for him. And here he serves it to his guest, and the guest eats it, and he's receiving, but only on the condition that what? He was actually giving his host the gratification of giving him. Do you follow? It reminds me of my grandmother. I had to go there hungry because it would break her heart if I wouldn't eat all the pastries and sweets she made for me. There you go. So you're actually, you're eating, you're actually giving the host. You know, God is infinite. He only wants to give infinite. His, his, the mother wants to give milk to the calves more than the calves want to suck the milk. So the idea here is like our attitude really has to be though we have to work on our vessel. We have to work on our ability to receive and convert it. That we only want God, all of this pleasure, only on the condition that we're giving you glory, the glory, we're praising you, we're thanking you, we're appreciating you, we're in a relationship with you, that we're able to uh, do your will on this planet. And that's the ultimate conversion, where the will to receive is only on the condition that we're giving through our receiving. So let's use that as a segue then. When we fail at that mission, which we all, I guess, there's levels of, of failing at it, and our time here is up. So let's talk about Gehenna. So Gehenna, really the Baal Shem Tov says there is no Gehenna. Now Gehenna, mostly people will translate it literally as, you know, in terms of the, the Christian idea of hell or purgatory. We don't have those concepts. They don't exist. First of all, Gehenna, for us, maximum sentence is 12 months. Not like what they say, for you'll go burn in hell forever. No such concept. 12 months. And what is the concept of this what's the idea of it so i tell people i used to tell people first it's 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 like a dishwasher you leave this world and you didn't clean up your act you're not your vessel is not up to par god has a certain amount of light for you to be a conduit of and you didn't make the grade according to what your abilities were you didn't reach your full potential to be that conduit of infinite light so therefore what happens you need to get your vessel, let's call it, cleaned up. So really, the Baal Shem Tov says there's no such thing as Gehenna, this wash cycle. Really what it is, is God brings the souls into the Garden of Eden. All of them. Even the coarse ones. Coarse soul, like I said, all of Kabbalah is going from an unrefined vessel to becoming a refined vessel. So if there's some element of unrefinement in the vessel, your vessel, your ability to receive in the holy way. So you go into the, the Garden of Eden, which is full of light, tremendous light, and for the person there who who's, has a coarse vessel, it hurts. It hurts. So it's like being exposed to the brightest sun. It hurts. 
it hurts. Or like I tell people, it's like being lactose intolerant in a cheesecake world. It hurts. What's for breakfast? Cheesecake. What's for lunch? Cheesecake. You got it coming out of your nose and all the allergic reaction. But after a year or maybe less, depending upon how coarse the soul is, they actually don't not only get used to it, but it actually becomes quite enjoyable because it is the undifferentiated light of the Ein Sof, of infinity. That's meant to be, that we're meant to partake of. So the idea here is it's a cleansing. The light cleanses, but because the person is coarse, it ends up being a rough start. I also thought that Gehenna was being tied down and made to listen to opera. Some people like opera. Don't say that to my wife. That's, that's not me, right? I call that cruel and unusual punishment. You know? But of course, after a year, maybe you'll, not only you'll tolerate it, but you'll enjoy it. I, I married an opera singer. So you have to remember, the first time I went to one was my, my very first one. To me, it was Gehenna. But after a while, after I watched my wife perform, eventually it became pleasurable. But I have also learned that I thought there was there were multiple levels of Gehenna, and there are some that are inescapable. And those are the experiences that we have brought down in the literature. This demon takes you in Egyptian boiling excrement. That's really nice, right? Or, you know, all kinds of uh, imagery. They fill it with all kinds of imagery. Well, those kind of imageries given what I just explained to you, that's what the imagery is. In other words, if you would translate that kind of discomfort in the spiritual realm, if you would translate that in an our earthly terms, that's the only way, that's the best they can do to put it in words. In other words, it comes out like looking like appearing or experiencing like that, but really that's all it is. If the person did terrible deeds in this world, that's what it's, it's going to be like showing up at a party with human excrement all over you. You're at, a, you're at a black tie event. The highest people are there and you got cocky all over you. Not a pleasant situation. It's shame. Shame. They say that shame, despair and things like that. Regret. Yes. And there's nothing you can do about it at the time. But God gives chances. There's such a thing as reincarnation. So reincarnation is you get to come back down. You don't have to go to Gehenna. You can get out of it by coming back here and working on yourself to, to get your clee, your vessel, up to standard, up to snuff. Is it typically up to the soul because they're embarrassed they don't want to be there? There's nothing you can do. Now, I'm just going to throw this at you. There's a three-strike rule, actually, in the cosmic realm for wicked souls. They'll, get, they'll let you come down here three times to try to affect your rectification. And if you didn't do it after three, then they just, you know, they, they know that everybody does mitzvahs. Even the most wicked people do mitzvahs. They'll give tzedakah, or even if it's for the wrong reasons, it doesn't matter. God takes those. They're nuggets. They're very special. But God, after three lifetimes of a wicked person, I don't know if we have a wicked person anymore these days, but let's say if there would be a wicked person, then he just takes them. We're not going to send you down anymore. No more chances and we're just going to send you through Gehenna and put you through that cycle. and then, But a person can really affect his rectification, his tikkun, down here. That's more preferred. People want to avoid that Gehenna, that kind of shame, to the nth degree. Because who wants to be have uh, human feces all over them at a black tie event? So basically, everything's sort of like this filtration system. This world is developing us into this vessel. If we can't wrap up the job there... It's done in the spiritual realm, although that's 
apparently way more challenging than just doing it down here. Yeah, because, you know, there's nothing they can do for you in that realm. There's nothing can be done. Once you leave this world, once a person leaves this world, and they realize the value of what one mitzvah is, they plead like anything to come back down here and just do one mitzvah. It's like you're already on the other side of the veil and you see what you've lost. You see what could have been done, what, what potential was unfulfilled. And the soul just yearns to just come back here just to do one little mitzvah. But you can't. It's end game. It's end game. And plus here, you, you can do it out of love of Hashem versus there, you're just, you're sort of back in that vessel of receiving without being able to do anything in return. Part of that shame. Yeah. Part of that shame. That's a good insight. Yeah. Yeah. What about, is there a difference between this life cycle of the soul for Jew versus non-Jew? It's a good question. And I asked my father-in-law that, and we really don't have any real tradition for the non-Jewish soul. Righteous souls, though, do get into the next world. We do have that principle. If they abide by the seven Noahide laws, you don't have to be Jewish to get in the next world. What a bargain! You don't have to be Jewish to get a portion in the next world. All you got to do is abide by the seven Noahide laws. It seems like the bar is a little higher for us because it wants us coming in this world and influencing them in a positive way for their elevation. Well, we're called the neshama of the world, and the Gentiles are called the body of the world. A soul needs a body. A body needs a soul. We, we have a function. They have a function. Everybody's got a function. So yes, to do our function would be to bring them into a dynamic relationship with the Creator, and then they praise the Creator. That's our job. That's our function. That's light into the nations. It sounds like we also have a little more scrutiny since we have a task at hand for their benefit. So you'll have a code 613 soul versus a code 7 soul. So the code 613 soul is used right more complicated because it's, an, it's called the neshama of a body. And the body has a code 7 soul. It's just different numbers. Okay, yes, it's more responsibility. That's what it means by, you know, chosen nation is not chosen that we're better, God forbid. It's chosen that we have a responsibility. This is a good message to get out to the, the non-Jews. If they knew this, they'd be bringing kosher food to everyone's Jew's home and saying, no, only, only eat this. That's really the cure to anti-Semitism, would you believe it or not? The people think the cure to anti-Semitism, well, at least the Gentiles think, you know, get rid of them. But that's not, that's not the real solution. The real final solution is that the Gentile nations have to understand that if the Jews are performing the Torah and mitzvot, if they're in li- alignment with the 613 code of their soul, just look at it as a technology. They're out of alignment. So therefore, then they would push every single Jew to go do Torah study, perform mitzvahs, if they would catch them on the street. And my rabbi says that in the end of days that the Gentiles will be beating up the Jews to go learn Torah. Not beating up physically, but they're going to make sure. They're going to make sure that you make you attend your classes, and then you perform, you do your mitzvahs. And if not, you know, they're going to put you in a rehab. <laughs> they're going to put you in some kind of rehab, some kind of, I don't know what, but they're going to make sure. They're going to be guarding the door of the study house. And if you want to just like, oh, I just got to get out, they're going to be at the door. You're going to have two guys, big guys, Thelonious and Tyrone. They go, where are you going, sir? And you're going to go, I just want to go get some milk. 
And they go, no, no, no. And he's going to call, you know, Marie, can you go pick up some milk for Goldstein? Yeah, it's going to be delivered to your house. You just get back inside and learn. (laughs) Because they're going to be aware that their blessings, their livelihood, their abundance comes from the Jew, their, their neshama doing the right thing as opposed to not. So that's the real solution. Not get rid of the Jews. Get the Jews to learn Torah and do mitzvahs. That's going to be, the, and it's going to happen like that. They're eventually, I don't know how, but the technology is going to be opened and they're going to see it, that if the Jew is out of alignment, then that's going to result in, let's call it, you know, a dis-ease of the world. So therefore, when they get the Jew in alignment, oh, okay, we're good. And they saw it in the times of the, the first temple, especially, right? Because they would bring sacrifices. They're, they knew all their blessings were coming from Israel at that time, correct? Right. right. So we're like, it's like a pipe. We're a pipe. So the pipe has to be working. If the pipe is broken or, or, or full of crud, you got to open up the pipe. You need a plumber. So basically, they will probably help us to be the conduit that we should be in order for them to get blessing. Fantastic. Thank you, Rabbi. It means maybe in that, in that time, too, that our fundraising for Jewish outreach will, will find new supporters in the non-Jewish world. Uh, 100%, man. They're going to be, yes, a lot, of, a lot of it. Just to bring the end thing, because as we know, that the, we, we know that the creation of Sutton or the angel of death or the evil inclination came about as originally because God needed a seductive force like to try to seduce mankind to do wrong. In the end of days, we say death will be swallowed up forever. That was, we have to know that the earth will be so full of God's light that the, it's interesting when you light a candle in a dark room, it's not like the darkness gets shoved into a corner. It's the darkness ceases to exist because really they don't really have an existence. If you go back to where Jacob wrestled with the angel when he was alone, when he went to go get these jars. So he wrestled with the angel all night long. And that angel was like the angel of death. It was Sam. That was Sam he was wrestling with. Wanted to go to praise God because he works for God. This is what we do. But he didn't want to let him go. He finally let him go on the condition that he would bless Jacob. So he asks, so the, the, the angel Sam asks Jacob, what's your name? Yaakov, your name will not be Yaakov. It's going to be Israel from now on. It'll be changed. And then Jacob asks his name. And the guy, and he answered, there's no name. There's no name. Because you have to understand in a dynamic way, the darkness really doesn't exist. It's a complete illusion. Right? It works for God. And we have to go ahead and be able to see through it. So whether it's Lil trying to seduce us, you have to be able to see through it. So like Lil, this force of seduction that is very predominant, especially in our generation, it's gone wild. As a matter of fact, at the checkout counter of every grocery store, she's on the cover of every magazine. She looks different, but she's trying to get you to seduce you. But the idea here is what I say, if I am ever caught in such a situation where there's the physical candy and then there's eye candy. So I go, Lil, there you go. You just add it again. So, of course, you have to avert your eyes and you have to guard your eyes. But the idea here is 
death and the end of days will be swallowed up forever because the 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 creation will be so full of light that it won't even exist anymore. So the end of days it gives us hope that we'll understand that it was all just a a seduction ploy for us to get muscles. But these entities that are serving this purpose, Satan, Lil, Sam, all this, they're serving Hashem. It seems like they have their own their own conscious identity. What's their reward for doing his work all this time? So they don't get a reward because you know why? They they went extra. They were too zealous. They were too zealous. Do your job, but don't go overboard. They got crazy. And because they got crazy, so that's what why it comes out that they're this is how they're terminated. That, you know, the light just is gonna overfilm them and there's no use for them anymore. They've served their purpose. Rabbi, I appreciate you coming on to, to bring clarification and, and help us understand this concept better. There's practical wisdom to this, things we can. There's several things that were disclosed that we can actually use in a practical manner to help guide our life and, and, and bring some understanding to why God does everything that he does and that, that evil serves a purpose. So thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it, and so does the audience. Pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Torch so they can continue to spread Torah wisdom to the world by making a donation at torchweb.org and clicking Donate in the top right corner of the page. And if you would like to get in contact with our host with comments, suggestions for future topics of learning, or questions for him or his guest rabbis, you may email him at president at torchweb.org.